Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Life Rewired podcast, and thank you guys for joining us on this Tuesday, August 16th. We're a little delayed with this episode because this past weekend we were in D.C. actually visiting my two sisters, my one sister from Chicago, Megan, and then Jesse is my sister who does live in D.C., and we were all kind of visiting, hanging out for our birthday. My birthday is actually in August. I'm an August 31st baby, and so uh, we were kind of all getting together, and so we decided to push this episode off until Tuesday today, um, and we really want to dive into a lot of these Q&A questions because you guys asked us so many great questions that we want to talk about and kind of give our perspective on both you know, the male and female perspective, but as always, before we begin, this episode is brought to you by Nash Nutrition. The Nash bar is made with simple and nourishing ingredients, 20 grams of protein, and is naturally sweetened with honey and dates. And I love these bars because I can just have them, you know, on the go when I'm at the gym or when I'm running around and I know I'm getting 20 quality grams of protein and it's a very minimally processed bar. There's only about five to six ingredients in each flavor. So, you know, we love these bars and each box of bars is cold pressed daily packaged and made fresh to order in Columbus, Ohio. And for any first time customer, if you use our code LifeRewired10, you will get 10% off of your entire order. And so on to today's episode, which is episode number 46. And this is a Q&A episode, very similar to what we did in the past. You know, the past Q&A episode was one of our by far most popular you know, episodes. We dove into a lot of topics across the board with you know, health, wellness, nutrition, personal development, the whole gamut. Yeah, a lot of personal questions too. So we're excited to dive on in. I'm kind of going to read off the questions, interview Zach, and then give my take because that's the whole point of this podcast, male-female perspective, and I'm really excited to kick things off with a wedding question. Favorite part of the wedding planning process, both you and Z? Yeah, you know, I really liked, first and foremost, we had to kind of decide on a venue first, and I really liked kind of pinpointing a venue that we both mutually agreed upon, and we found one that was perfect that we both loved. Um, we both were really excited about. We both immediately kind of knew it was the it was a hell yes. It was a hell yes right off the bat, and you know we were very confident in in making that decision. And I feel like Christina and I just do so well making decisions together. We're very much so on the same page, and so really kind of finding the venue, finding now our caterers. We actually have our tasting coming up in September, and so we have a lot of fun stuff that we've been planning out. And it's kind of just been it's been a nice and relaxing process, even though we both are like really wanting to just dive in and, and get married as soon as possible. Um, we both are really mu- very, very much so embracing, you know, the two year process since we're doing 2024 um, to give ourselves some time. Yeah, I definitely didn't want to be a very stressed bride. So that's why I was like 2024. Yes. And we honestly grabbed our venue like immediately. And the reason like that's my favorite part too. Well, I won't say the same exact thing. So we can give like a different perspective. But I think my favorite thing obviously was the venue because we picked a place where it was like very meaningful to us. You can literally see the spot we met with the dogs. If you don't know, we met because our dogs wanted to say hi to each other. We live in the same apartment complex and our venue overlooks that exact spot. So like when we're Oh my gosh, I'm to get my feelings. But when we're all like dressed up on our wedding day, like dancing, just like roof open, it's literally a rooftop venue, you can see exactly where we met. So I know we're just going to like cry yeah. water guns out of our it's gonna eyes. It's going to be very, very, it's going to be, it's going to be really special. Yeah. I think my favorite part is just though how it's like so us, like everything we have planned is just like we honestly don't care what anyone else thinks. Like it's our big day and we're staying true to that and we're not trying to like keep up with the Joneses or like impress anyone. It's just about like, our love and our story and it's just about us which yeah is it's the best way to do it <laughs> the next question big turn um of topics but thoughts on the tiktok trend of negative effects of celsius 
Yeah, so we obviously came across this with all of the hype, and I don't really watch too much TikTok, but uh, I immediately Chris, sent it to Christina you. immediately sent it all the information to me. But I think this is just I'm really glad someone brought this up because it's a good life lesson across the board with anything fitness, anything health, and anything wellness. You know, we always have to be paying attention to the information that's being put out. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of BS out there, like don't get me wrong, um, but we do need to lean into the facts. You know, when, when new information comes out, when new research comes out, um, you know, when specialists talk about certain products, and you know, even though they're marketed to us in a certain way, and we, but then we kind of start to see the behind the scenes, and they pull back the curtains a little bit. The public starts to get to talking a little bit. That's when we start to kind of realize, you know, is is kind of questioning things. Is this really healthy? You know. Even though it's marketed as being healthy, is it actually healthy? And I think, you know, Christine and I have ran into that time and time again. You know, there's major, major fitness brands out there, unfortunately, you know, who have, you know, diluted their product using fillers, using, um, you know, artificial sweeteners, using, you know, processed ingredients just so they can manufacture and profit more. Unfortunately, it's just the world we live in. Um, but that said, that's why you guys always just have to be watching, paying attention to what is going on in the world around us so you can make smart, educated decisions yourself and always get multiple sources, you know, never believe just one source whenever it comes to anything in health and wellness. I have a good rule of thumb where I at least try to find like at least like three sources, um, you know, very credible sources. And that way I can make a more informed decision based off of the information that I find. And I think, you know, TikTok and Instagram and some of these places can be great for that information, but obviously take it, take it in with caution take it with a grain of salt. Um, but that said, you know, we've, we've kind of done some of our own research and I think, you know, that's something that Christina is going to share a little bit about too. Yeah. So I think Celsius has been like a 1% better option for us for pre-workout for quite some time, but just a reminder that anything in moderation can be good. But if you exceed that, like having two a day, having even every single day can cause negative effects. And I think that's where a lot of these people who are sharing their experiences on TikTok are coming from a place of like they either had like Celsius every single day, multiple times a day on top of coffee and other energy sources in mass amounts. And so everyone's body handles supplements different, like caffeine is a drug, to be quite honest, and you have a threshold in which you can tolerate. And if you're already susceptible to like heart heart defects or anything that runs in your family or your body just doesn't process caffeine the same as other people. You have to know your body and understand what moderation truly looks like for you. But I did some research and obviously like we're not like scientists and supplements and anything like that, but just based on our thoughts and our research, basically what I gathered from like a lot of dietitians in articles was that for like everyday people, if you're only training one time a day, like you can have Celsius in moderation, but if you have multiple a day or you're drinking it seven days a week straight, like that's when the negative effects become real. It's just a lot of caffeine. Like that's 400 milligrams in two, two Celsius right there. So like just from a caffeine, caffeination standpoint, like that's where you guys have to look out too. And you can do the various, very much so the same thing with even coffee or other energy sources. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And another thing to mention is like coffee and caffeine and excess can also like overstimulate your digestion, cause anxiety. It can cause nausea. So like those side effects are very real with any source of caffeine and excess. Someone else asked us about white monster, so we should probably touch on it now. Same topic. Um, but same thing with white monster, like the ingredients aren't as clean as Celsius. I'll say Celsius is 1% better than most energy drinks, but same thing. Like White Monster used to be my energy drink of choice, and it's even more caffeine than Celsius. So if you're drinking that on top of other caffeine, these side effects could very much so come from White Monster as they are on Celsius and TikTok and stuff. Right. And I can't really comment on that because I've never, I quite literally, I don't think I've literally 
ever had a monster ever in my life. Wow. Literally. It's amazing. You should keep that going. I like to be able to say, like, I've never done this thing. Like, I've never had a Whopper, and I just will never have one for the simple fact of I like to say that. Well, <laughs> never we were talking because we were talking about it briefly, like, before the episode, and I was like, I've never had a white monster ever in my life. Yeah. Or a monster in general. I've never had one. Sometimes I'll get the rehab one after we drink and we have like a road trip home and that makes me feel really good, but I don't recommend doing that daily. <laughs> but we'll talk about drinking later on in the episode. But next question is, have, we're going to bounce around from like many different topics. We didn't like collect these in a certain order. So next question was, have you guys ever worked with postpartum clients? So that one, I will pass to Chris. <laughs> no, um, I have. I was saying no for Zach, but I actually have postpartum clients right now. I work with clients who are trying to get pregnant, who are currently pregnant, and who are postpartum. The biggest thing with like postpartum that I have to recommend from working with clients one-on-one or helping them after they went to another trainer right before me is that you don't want to go right into a deficit right after having your baby you want to make sure you're eating at maintenance or in a surplus at least a surplus if you're breastfeeding because your body's going to burn a lot of calories from doing that and you're going to lose weight just by you know breastfeeding and like walking and doing those kind of things so don't automatically go into a huge deficit because it's going to do your body a disservice and just give yourself some time to heal and then over time it will be safe to go into a calorie deficit but just not right away Mm -hmm. How old are you again? <laughs> I'm 26, and I will be 27 this August 31st. If you guys don't know, I am a cougar in this relationship. <laughs> I'm 28, and I will be 29 in December. My favorite time of year is between um, September 1st and Christmas Eve, which is my birthday, when we're only one year apart. <laughs> Next question. Are you guys staying in Columbus forever? Do you want to buy a house, future plans, and babies? Yeah. I mean, we... Definitely have a goal of we we love it out west. You know, we love the west coast. We couldn't really right now at least see ourselves like permanently moving out there. You know, we really fell in love with Denver first. Like Denver, Colorado really stole our heart when we went and saw that. And then when we went to Scottsdale together, that even stole our heart even more, I think, just because, you know, the weather we both love. We like the heat, we like sunshine and so mountains. and the mountains. So you really get, you know, the whole trifecta with Scottsdale and so, you know, we've kind of made a verbal goal to eventually have almost like a vacation home that we could rent out that we could kind of go to in the wintertime when it's cold and shitty and nasty in Columbus, <laughs> Ohio. Um, but we love Columbus. You know, this just feels like home anytime we're away. Um, you know, we, we, when we think about going back home or going back to Columbus, it just feels right. It feels like home. We love it here. Um, cost of living, you cannot beat. So shout out Columbus. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we really just have that goal of, of potentially, you know, getting a vacation home someday that we can go to and kind of a, escape to when the, when the weather's nasty. And so, yeah, that's really kind of been a goal that we've established. Yeah. And we want to stay here at least like our home base forever. Cause our families, Zach's parents just moved here. My parents are, my mom's two hours away and my sister and my family and everything. And honestly, like this time of year reminded me, like, honestly, this week it's starting to get like cooler in the morning. It's like 65, 70. And and, we like, love fall. Yeah. Fall's approaching. And like, I could not imagine living in a state where like you never had fall. Yeah. Like that's my favorite time of the year. So I definitely want to like have our home base here. Like Zach said, it's, the cost of living is so cheap. And when we travel and like we're in the hustle and bustle of the city or we're, like out west, like we kind of look forward to coming home and being like in our routine and our home base where the cost of living is very low. But the mountains are definitely like a place where we have to go at least for the winter months. Yeah. In the future. And we definitely want to buy a house, but we love where we're at right now and we like renting. But the housing market right now is just not ideal for us. So we're going to stay in an apartment for as long as we can. But obviously, we have two huskies. So having a yard is definitely on our 
on our goal list for the future. Absolutely. And babies too, which is a question coming up, so you might as well answer. How many kids do we want? <laughs> we've we've kind of briefly talked about it, but probably like between two and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we both are from threes. Zach has two older sisters. I have two older sisters, so three would be perfect, but we'll be grateful. We'll see. Twins <laughs> twins run in my family, so ideally I'd like to have one first and then twins, but yeah. you know, it doesn't shake out like that. We can't decide, but right. that's the goal. What is your current workout split and does it vary in different phases? Yeah, so we actually do the same training program right now. It's actually my program that I came up with. It's called high intensity interval strength training. And the reason I call it that is because you cycle through both strength and hypertrophy and there is a conditioning or endurance focus as well. Um, you know, we like to split that. Well, I split the week up essentially on the front end of the week. Mondays and Tuesdays are upper and lower body strength days. So this is more focused on and it's more so like a strength and conditioning day because on these days it's a little bit less volume since it's more of a strength focus. And then we're saving time at the end to do some type of metabolic conditioning. And then on Wednesday, that's specifically dedicated to kind of like cardio conditioning. So doing another metabolic conditioning piece with kind of an ab focus. And this just helps break up the week from a recovery standpoint. So you're getting recovery in between the strength days. And then on the back half of the week on Thursdays and Fridays, you're doing your upper and lower hypertrophy days. And these are kind of like true bodybuilding style days where it's very much so focused on high volume, muscle hypertrophy, gaining muscle. Um, And I like to break those days up by focusing on like specific areas of the body. So like, for example, um, you know, on the front end of the week, on, on a certain cycle, we could do like more of a hip hinge focus where we're focusing more on like glutes, hamstrings from a strength perspective. And then on the other lower, lower body day, like on the lower body hypertrophy day on the back end of the week, it would be more of like a quad focus, for example. And then the way I like to separate, and then those can flip flop obviously between strength and hypertrophy. And then on the upper body days, very similar, you know, it's going to be more of a chest back focus on one of the days, and then more of like a shoulder and arm focus on the other days. And then again, those kind of flip flop. And this, this design is so optimal because you're actually cycling basically every major compound movement between both the rep ranges of strength and hypertrophy. So you're getting such a wide range and diversified training stimulus across, you know, the cycles that we run through. And quite honestly, you know, I I have this program built out for pretty much a year and, you know, we, we have deloads worked out in there. We have undulating going on throughout there where, you know, we're peaking intensity and then pulling back intensity. Typically every four weeks, I typically find that that gives you the most amount of time to peak and then allowing you to recover before the next four week cycle. So you got to think it's kind of like up and down from an intensity standpoint. It's not like we're going balls to the wall every day, every week, you know, there is that undulation. So there is that up and down um, format from an intensity standpoint. Um, so yeah, does that yeah, kind of answer that explains it? it? And you also use RPE. Yeah. Style training, which is very helpful. And I'll say I've followed like, like personally, like as coaches, like I think coaches need coaches and I like to have my programming taken care of because we do programming for our clients all the time. And Zach is like a programming magician, if you couldn't hear like just how easily that all flowed out of you. Um, but I have never followed a program for as long as I followed. It's like been a year and a half. And it's crazy to think like we're doing the exact same program, male and female. Someone else asked like if our male and female training style differs and we're literally doing the same program the exact same program like we'll come home from like but he's weeks ahead of me because he's programming it out so we're the same like upper lower conditioning day upper lower then on the weekends what we'll do is we'll have like active rest days or we'll get our steps in we'll go on walks with the boys we'll sometimes go on a run outside we or like, we'll just do like a workout mm-hmm. or we'll just like yeah just like literally just like kind of burn calories just because we want to move our body get steps in do cardio mm-hmm. in some way shape or form and mobility too is super important yeah and on top of that you know i think 
like Christina said, it's good to like have coaches, but it's, it's really been kind of fun. You know, I haven't really talked a whole lot about this, but you know, it's been fun really engulfing myself into that program. Cause a lot of you may not know it, but I've actually been really, I've been building this program for like two and a half years yeah. um, and critiquing certain aspects of it. You know, I, I, it took me a long time to really like be super confident in the structure of it. But right now, I mean, it really is amazing. And it's probably like the best thing I've ever created or came up with honestly to date, because I have made those small little incremental adjustments. You know, I've read um, some of the best books and textbooks in strength in the strength world. I've, I've read, wrote, <laughs> read, Jesus, end of the day, guys. He wrote these books. Um, <laughs> and then I've read, you know, some of the best books in the bodybuilding world. So I really kind of went out of my way to get the perspective of kind of each area instead of like being so, you know, pigeonholed into just strength or pigeonholed into just bodybuilding or pigeonholed just it just into endurance training. You know, I really kind of opened myself up to multiple perspectives. And I took those principles, took those perspectives and implemented them into the high intensity interval strength training program where it seemed fit. And I mean, it's badass. Like Christina said, Christina does it. My sister does it. A lot of my online clients do a variation of it. What's that? Like Amanda and I will do it together. Yeah, like Christina's friend will do it. So how everyone is able to do it, like even though some of the movement patterns might be similar, you know, like Christina said, that RPE or that intensity-based programming is so, so very helpful because Christina can do the exact same program as me and an RPE, you know, nine for her is going to look a whole lot different than an RPE nine for me. And I just like went out of my way because I, when I first got into fitness, you know, I noticed there was a ton of programs where it was like, here's three by 10, here's four by 10, here's four by 15, here's three by five, like, but no, no measure of intensity. So it's like, well, what are these people, how do they even know what to do? Like, how do they even know, okay, like what weight, like what weight do we even use for this set and for this amount of reps? And so that's when I really started to open myself up to that idea of RPE or reps in reserve, um, where we are gauging how close we are to failure on any given movement. And you can really apply that to not only your compound lifts, but it's a really great way to track and measure accessories. And that's something that Christine and I were literally just talking about the other day. I think like a lot of trainers out there, um, and just people in general like get lazy with like accessory movements like if anybody is progressively overloading anything it's typically like mostly just compound lifts but they kind of lose sight of some of those accessory or auxiliary exercises when in reality like you need to track everything like if you're not tracking it like your results are probably going to be shitty and so i kind of took it upon myself to program this this program in a way where there's progressively we're progressively overloading not only you know the compound movements but also the accessory movements from both the strength perspective and a volume stand- standpoint. And so that's where, I mean, the magic happens. Yeah. I love watching you talk about programming. <laughs> it's like your love language. I love it. I really do. And the second half of that question, we kind of answered a little bit, but like, does it vary in different phases? And in terms of like, if we're in a calorie deficit or maintenance, honestly, no, like we still do conditioning even when we're at maintenance calories or like in the building phase, but our like neat will shift, which we'll talk about neat a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But our eating and our knee is what shifts, not our training. Yeah. And sometimes I'll get creative with like the cardio, like on some days where I know my steps are super high, like, you know, I don't necessarily want to or need to condition on a day like that. Like sometimes I'll throw it out on days where the activity is very high um, because I do kind of view whether it's, you know, the steps or doing one of the cardio progressions within the program, like those are all kind of just increasing that total daily energy expenditure and that total activity. Um, While we could, you know, argue, you know, the nuts and bolts and details of specific stimuli that happen in a more anaerobic state when you are doing endurance training, like we can argue those things, but at the same token, we do get creative and, and allocate, you know, conditioning when it when it when it seems fit or when it's necessary. And then we can kind of also decide on certain days where activity is super high to maybe just do a lift. Exactly. Mic drop. 
How do you help form and learning lifting techniques virtually with your clients? So how do we help our clients have proper form? Yeah, so really the biggest way is is form form videos. I have my clients send me form videos all of the time. Uh, this is really kind of how I coach them from afar. It really feels like I'm in it with them, and I literally send like voice message breaking down their movement patterns and and how their body is just moving through space. And because this is so crucial, like to progress any sort of movement, you have to own the movement in the first place. Like so many times we start loading our bodies. Like the the perfect, perfect example is like a barbell back squat. Like to be quite honest, I would, I would argue like more than half of the amount of people in the world who back squat, like are back squatting incorrectly or like in a very uncomfortable position, or they're pushing their joint angles into, you know, situations that are just do not feel good. And I'm sure, you know, some, some of you even out there listening right now probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Where like, you can even think back to a recent time you did a back squat and you're like, holy shit, like that just did not feel right. Like my hips hurt, like my knees hurt, like my back hurt, like I wasn't able to really get down into the position. And so it's just crazy how like very fundamental common movements are like performed very suboptimally because of lack of mobility and lack of um, like form tech and, and technique. And that's why like before you guys even like progressively overload any sort of movement pattern or any exercise, like you have to own the movement with your body weight before you even start to load the body. Agreed. And I do the exact same thing with my clients. Each exercise has a video demonstration. But on top of that, like in a four-week cycle, typically in week one, I'll have them send me like a ton of form videos for like all compound moves or any accessory moves that are like feeling off. And that way in weeks two, three, and four, they can PR with confidence knowing like I... What's the, what's the verbiage you just had? It was perfect. Like own the movement. You can own the movement. Yeah. So you can own the movement and progressively overload with confidence knowing like my form is good. I'm going to prevent injury. My mobility's on point. My technique is on point. So we'll just both send voice memo feedback. And it's really fun when we're working at coffee shops together and we're just like sending voice memos about like squats and bench and like all these different movements. And if you do not follow Zach on Instagram, which if you're listening to this podcast, like you have to, I feel like, and his Instagram is in the description, has a ton of forum videos and I always share them on my Instagram and send them to clients as well to just kind of like have a different perspective of the movement. Yeah, the smallest little adjustments with form and technique literally go such a long way. And if, if someone tells you different, they're, they're probably wrong. <laughs> Next one, once again, very different topic. Um, how often do you guys drink? Yeah, so I mean, this really just depends on, you know, the season of life we're in or what plans we have, you know, if we have people visiting, if we're visiting people. Um, this is typically something we don't just like make an excuse for kind of like we did in college where you're like, it's a random Tuesday. Let's, or even in quarantine, we drink. were just like, let's go to Bakersfield on Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, like psychos. Um, but no, we've really like pulled back and, and we only do it, you know, when we kind of want to and when we're social with friends or family. Um, but probably like, you know, at the maximum, like twice a week, once to twice a week. And then honestly, we'll go like weeks where we don't drink at all. And so it kind of ebbs and flows, but we just don't let it dominate our lives. Um, kind of like we did once before, you know, we found a lot more balance nowadays in drinking, you know, we do it as enjoyment. We're not just like pounding, pounding, pounding all these drinks. Moderation. Um, we, we really have, I, I truly feel like, um, you know, being completely honest with you guys, like we really have worked to find that balance and it took a, it took us a long time. It take, it's taken mm-hmm. me a long time with, you know, food and nutrition and, and all these things. Like, you know, we struggle with very real things that you guys struggle with too. And, you know, it took us a long time to find that balance and find that moderation. But I really do feel like we've gotten there, like just coming off this trip from DC, you know, we deviated a little bit, you know, we had some drinks, we had, you know, a a couple bites of, you know, some cookies and some pizza and and some things that, yeah, some birthday cake, like some things we wouldn't normally eat. And we were able to do those things in moderation where, you know, it kind of fit within range with where we wanted to be calorically. Mm -hmm. um, But we're still kind of 
you know, deviating what it is we were eating. And we did so without guilt because we have had times in the past where we have felt guilty or we have overdone it, where we've overeaten like crazy or over drinking like crazy. Um, but it takes work. And through that work, we've, we have really found some, some solid balance. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know, just depends, you know, it's some, sometimes it's once a week, sometimes it, it'll go, you know, we'll go weeks without drinking. Yeah. It just depends on our like social calendar, if you will. When we travel, we'll obviously like drink in moderation but this past weekend we drank two days in a row and there will be weekends like my mom's coming in town this weekend we probably won't drink and i think in the winter months we drink a lot less in the summer we're just like doing a lot we're on concerts we're traveling we're celebrating birthdays we're doing all the things but we drink way less than we used to and also like on the days we do drink we have like water between each drink just honestly like i cut back my drinking for like the gut health side of things and also mental health too yeah like i just didn't i just wanted to stop feeling like shit like we would wake up and our hangovers would be so terrible like doing what we used to do and it's like you it's terrible like from like christina said from a mental health standpoint you just like you feel like shit and you get to a certain point in life where you're just like is this like worth the reward? Like, no, it's, it's really not. Like, I just don't want to feel like shit. Like I want to just feel good. Mm-hmm. And that far outweighs like any other really reason. Yeah. And there'll be times where we'll like go out for like a night and we will drink like multiple margaritas. But like, honestly, like on a typical weekend, if we go out to dinner, we'll honestly like spit, split drinks now because yeah. it helps us have moderation, but you get the feeling of like, just like drinking, you know? Yeah. Like so. having a couple sips, having a couple drinks and yeah. within reason. Like split spice marks and helps us have moderation. Favorite place for workout clothes and lifting shoes. This is tough for me. I mean, I really like you know ten thousand. I'm I'm actually an ambassador for ten thousand. I really like their shorts and their gear. Um, they're they're phenomenal. I actually have some tank tops from them as well. So I love their stuff. I've got a little bit of Nike sprinkled in, a little bit of Lulu sprinkled in. Um, Fabletics, shout out Fabletics. You know, we <laughs> just did our workouts there. I actually found some killer shorts from there. Um, so yeah, kind of like the whole gamut between those couple of brands, but I'm not like one of those people where it's just like, you know, I'm all married to one, married brand. To one brand. You know, I just find my body, it tends to be weird in the way I fit things like larges will be too tiny. XLs will be too big. I'm always in that kind of in between. So I always have to find like really kind of what brand fits my body style. And whenever I find one of those like pieces of apparel that fits me well, I just like get a lot of it because I like it <laughs> and it fits well. So yeah, I'm not like married to one specific brand, but I would highly recommend, you know, all those ones I mentioned. I love them all. Lifting shoes for you and then I'll go. Oh yeah. So lifting shoes. So this has kind of changed over time, but I swear by the Vivo barefoot shoes. I made that transition probably about a year ago. Would you say? Yeah. I think it's been yeah. probably, yeah, about a year ago. And I started wearing the Vivo barefoots because I was seeing some compelling research and science behind the nerve endings and all the different muscle complex muscle groupings in the feet. And something, you know, that I realized was the, the further our feet are, you know, away from the ground and from the surface, you know, the more those nerve endings like tend to not work and not, you know, be used as well as the muscles in the feet. And so the closer we can get our feet, our bare feet, you know, to that floor, um, the more optimal we're going to be able to move and control ourselves through space. And I've actually noticed that big time in my training. Um, I actually feel like my mobility has drastically increased by utilizing these shoes 
Um, and I just feel way more balanced and stable in my training. And these are very, very aggressively flat shoes. Like they're literally like a minimalist shoe. And so if you are someone who does have like an aggressive arch, for example, I know like I recommended it, recommended these shoes to a buddy of mine. He was like, damn, those were tough to wear for a little bit because his shoes or his feet did have more of an arch. Um, but I think not only could your foot adapt to that and get used to it. Um, but I do find like I have flatter feet. So I, it was a quick you know, adjustment. And I just found that I really like them. I feel best. And there's more space in like the ball of the foot. So it allows the toes to truly spread, which there's a ton of training and just functional benefits to that. Um, and I also think a lot of, you know, pain, and I've even found this through the research um, about Vivo Barefoot, but a lot of like lower back pain and, and, and different nerve pain that we have in our legs and in our backs stem from what we're wearing on our feet. So it's a good wake up call for maybe some of you out there who might be having some of those issue I, issues. I actually just had a client who's been training with me for a really long time. And I actually mentioned it to him because he wears like real, real thick soles. And you got to think of it like this, like the thicker the sole, it's almost as if you were like to stand on a foam pad and try to do the lift or the exercise that you're doing. Like you're making your life really freaking hard um, by wearing like a running shoe if you're trying to lift, for example. And so I just highly recommend to like think about it, you know, evaluate kind of where you're at too. You know, I'm not trying to sell you guys on, you know, these shoes specifically, but I just, I'm a firm believer in the benefits that I've, you know, had from them. You've gone through quite a few pairs too. Yeah. And I've used like the Nanos from Reebok. I've used the Nobles. I've used the Nike Metcons and the Vivos are definitely my favorite. Yeah. I have a couple different ones I go by, but I was just looking up the name for the ones I wear most, which is kind of funny because they're actually a maternity shoe and I didn't know when I bought them. <laughs> and then they came in a box that was like maternity and I was like, what did I buy? And I honestly did a swipe up. They were on sale and they are called Ollie Gray and they're really comfortable. Like the, I have like very flat feet and I used to get like shin splints and like plantar fasciitis, like pain and these shoes like really help, honestly. Um, it was an accident that I got. Ollie gray, but I do lift in those primarily. And then when I do leg days, I like to have very flat shoes. So I'll do like, honestly, like vans. And then on conditioning days, I really love, like Zach was saying, like thick foamed shoes are not ideal for lifting, but I do love Adidas Ultra Boost for like lifting, walking, or not lifting, running, walking, and doing cardio. Um, so like flat sole is very important for those lifting days. The Ollie gray ones, vans are my go-tos. And then Adidas Ultra Boost are my favorite cardio shoes. And then my workout clothes, Big Fat Athletics Girl right now, obviously we've done a couple of events with them and I'm actually a member. So like we're not like ambassadors or anything. I actually just like love the clothes. And so a lot of the athleisure and clothes I've been wearing lately have been Fabletics. I also love Lulu for like certain quality pieces like leggings. And then for tops, I like Acta a lot and Offline by Aerie as well. Very nice. Yes. And Target too. Oh, mm -hmm. Target, don't get me started. Um, we already answered how many kids we want. Um, and Zach did a really good rant on this one on his story today. And we may do a whole episode on this in the future just based on, like, the common misconception. But what's better for building muscle, low reps and high weight, or higher reps, lighter weight? Yeah, so like Christina said, I definitely I did a whole entire rant on this on my story. Because, it is. It, I mean, it's very important. You know, I talked about on my story about how your training really needs to match your goals. Like, I feel like a lot of people out there are like doing something they saw on Instagram or saw what their like favorite influencer was doing and is like, Hey, I want to like look like them kind of, and I'm just going to like follow what they're doing. But you don't really know like the ramifications or like the why behind like what you're gaining from that training stimulus. Like, and what I mean by that is, you know, I see a lot of people and I even had people come to me struggling to see results. I actually speak of the devil. You know, I was just literally talking to one of my online clients who just signed on with me and, you know, he was really struggling to see 
a change in his physique and change in his muscle in his muscle mass. And, you know, for, I kind of was breaking down, asking him questions. What, what is your past training looked like? What is, what have you been doing mostly? And he was mostly doing, you know, strength training, like near maximal loading between reps one through five. And I'm like, well, that's probably your issue right there. You're not doing a whole lot of hypertrophy training. And so there's no like right or wrong here. It's just like, what is your intention? Like, the something that pops in my mind is like if when I'm training like with my young athlete client in the gym, you know, if you saw some of the movements he was doing, like the explosive movements, someone who like has never done explosive movements would be like, what the fuck's he doing? But in reality, it's like that's the stimulus and the outcome we're looking for because he's an athlete and we're trying to improve his power and explosiveness. But to the naked eye, someone might think that's in quote wrong. And when, and when in reality, there's no wrong. It's just what is what is the outcome we're looking for? And so, you know, kind of what we're talking about here is, you know, if you're trying to, for example, gain muscle, and you're only training in rep ranges one through five, and you're doing very heavy loading, you're not really going to get that outcome of muscle gain. And on the flip side, if you are doing only hypertrophy training, so a lot of higher volume training, and a little bit moderate, lower, lower weight, more moderate weight, um, but you're looking to gain strength, like you're probably going to struggle to gain that strength. And so all of these examples kind of show you guys that, you know, the training that you're doing in the gym needs to link up and match up with what the outcome you're looking to achieve, because there's a huge disconnect there. Um, you know, for example, there's like a lot of people out there doing like CrossFit is very cardio endurance based. Like, yes, you're going to get probably a little bit of a hypertrophic response in the muscle mass with some of the training protocols that that specific training style utilizes. But nonetheless, it's very, very heavy, heavy, heavy cardio. And so, you know, if you are someone who's like strictly trying to put on some size and you're doing like cardio based classes, you are going to struggle to put on that size. And so this is just kind of a wake up call for any of you out there who you you have a specific goal in mind or a specific place you want to get to in your fitness journey. But you need to evaluate if the training you're doing is matching up with that. And that's like with nutrition too. You have to align your actions with your goals. And if your goal is to lose weight, don't eat in a surplus. Your goal is to build like muscle and build size. Don't eat in a deficit. And same goes for lifting. And in school, we literally had multiple choice questions. That's why it's so ingrained in my mind. But with going to school for exercise science, like literally my tests, which I'm so grateful, like I went to school for this because it's just so fun to me. But literally our tests was what rep range elicits strength, hypertrophy and muscle endurance. Six below is good for strength, like eight to 12 for hypertrophy. And then like 15 plus is typically like muscle endurance because most people don't choose a heavy enough weight to get hypertrophy from that rep range. So that's kind of like the rule of thumb. If you need to write that down, click the rewind button and write it down and make sure your training aligns with your goals. And everyone could kind of like, I could even argue, um, like for example, I, I personally think from like the research that I've done, you know, even that like five, six rep range is really like on that cusp of hypertrophic gains where like you know, you're right on that cusp at five reps. So, you know, from a lot of people's perspectives, and especially from this uh, Principles of Hypertrophy book that I recently read, you know, they like to describe that optimal hypertrophy range, basically, like Christina said, that's six to 12. And then in some cases, like 15 to 20. But something you guys have to look out for, like Christina said, is if you go too high in volume, and you're not very experienced, like with your body and with the way you can move on certain movements and how hard you can push it, you're going to push into a rep range that's honestly suboptimal, where you're not going to stimulate really any sort of hypertrophy and then like christina said you're going to then be more in those endurance rep ranges where you could really kind of go for long bouts of time like 15 to 20 plus reps um in a given setting so again there's some ambiguity there where we could like argue um specific things on the rep ranges but yeah great rule of thumb 
one to five, that's typically between 80 to 90% of your one rep max. That's where you're going to be pushing near maximal strength. Six to 12, you're sticking between that like 65 to 75% um, percent, um, range with your compound lifts. And then anything beyond that, you're typically tapping into more endurance based training. So, you know, if you guys can focus your training around those principles, I think you could go a really long way. And why, why I personally like to train in the five rep ranges for strength training is because you're pushing right at that threshold where you will see near maximal strength gains come into play, but you're not pushing so hard at a, such an intense and, and heavy weight that you're putting yourself at a high risk. So it's almost like you're kind of dancing that fine line at that rep range of five reps where, you know, you're tapping into that near maximal strength, but it's not going as far as like three, two, and one where you're, you know, you're really going to put yourself at, at a higher risk um, doing, you know, a one rep max versus doing a five rep max. And I'm not saying that that's wrong or that's bad. You know, I think if you can handle it and you've practiced it and you've worked up to that, like by all means, test it out if, if, you, if that's what you want to do. Um, but you definitely do not have to. Yeah. Once again, it just depends on your goals. If your goal is to be a power lifter, by all means do it. But if your goal is to like create that physique, like lose fat, build muscle, like that's not going to cut it. So that's why I like mixing both. Like we typically will do like the compound lifts or like those two strength days and then hypertrophy days. So we get the volume, but also we're building strength, strength, which that strength helps us build muscle Mm -hmm. on our hypertrophy. It all feeds together. Yep. Once again, flip and switch. Where's your next trip planned? We were talking about, we're actually going to have I'll just speak this into existence right now, but we we actually talked with Jeremy when I was on his podcast, but he's going to be on our podcast as a guest, which is going to be wild. Um, but we, we want to do that in the fall. So we want to go back to Scottsdale and get him on the podcast sometime in the fall, um, probably like September, October, somewhere in that range. I would say that's probably the closest trip coming up, right? And then we won't speak this one out just yet, but another big fitness person on the podcast and we'd be going out to Lake Tahoe. So yeah couple of fun things in the works and you guys get to experience it with us but next one is what are you currently reading personal development book recommendations we have a whole episode on that recently but we'll share what we're currently reading yeah so i'm actually um reading alex Hermosi's book the hundred million dollar offer this is a great phenomenal phenomenal business book where he just breaks down you know his success that he had with various different business strategies and he really gives you tangible um, practices that you can implement into your business literally right now. And he's just a very successful entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur. He's he's very done very well for himself in the fitness space as well as um, now helping actually other companies kind of grow and build and things like that. And so he, he he's a beast. I really you know look up to him and the success he had, especially because he started out in fitness and now has branched off into other areas. He was actually recently on Ed Milet's podcast, oh, so and it was a phenomenal episode. But highly recommend his book. You know, I know it's technically not like a, I guess it is personal development to some degree. Um, but yeah, that's the book I'm currently on. I'm reading like five books right now, so I hope I don't lose you guys. <laughs> I'm finishing up the audiobook for The Power of One More, Ed Milet's new book. Absolutely love it. And then for personal development on my iPad, I'm reading 101 Essays to Change the Way You Think, which I recommended on the PD podcast recently, and the Assertiveness Guide for Women. The 101 Essays is one that you read like a chapter like per day, typically. It's like four to five pages, so I don't feel like that hits my PD book rec limit, which is 10 pages for me. So I'll read like both the Assertiveness Guide for Women, which was a rec for my therapist, and then the 101 Essays. And then I'm always reading a fiction and PD book. And my fiction book of the moment is The Summer I Turned Pretty because I just watched the series on uh, Amazon Prime. And yeah, that's my current reads. And I also have a highlight on my Instagram of like my book recommendations and what I'm currently reading is always in there. 
This question we kind of already answered. How does your training differ from male to female? And like I said, I follow Zach's training, so it really doesn't differ. It's just the weight and the load because like my RPE of like eight to nine is significantly lower than his, but we still do the same mobility. We still do the same lifting, same split. And yeah, our knee is very similar too. Mm-hmm. Personal favorite Nash flavors. So my favorite flavor is the peanut butter chocolate chip. I love the flavor of peanut butter and I love the flavor <laughs> of chocolate. And so mixed together, I love it. But to be quite honest, these bars are honestly like phenomenal. Like I can't say it enough. And I, I've talked about it a bunch of times about how delicious they are. But like, for example, I was just t- telling my sisters about this because my sister we visited just got a box of their bars as well. And like coconut, like for example, like I wouldn't go out of my way to like eat something that's coconut or blueberry, um, but I'm like obsessed with their coconut cashew flavor. So literally like you cannot go wrong. Every single one of their flavors is phenomenal. Um, I eat all the flavors. I just love the peanut butter chocolate chip. Yeah. And honestly, they have a variety pack on the website. So if you want to try all of them, go for that pack. But my favorite, especially like my girls out there, when you have cravings, the dark chocolate chunk is incredible and they're all just really really good and we'll have the discount code for your first order and the link in our description and we love when you guys like post your pictures with the nash bars and like tag us and tag nash so keep doing that and let us know what your favorite flavor is as well next question how long have you guys been in the fitness game so i am coming up on my official this weekend yeah this weekend coming up on my official two years which is crazy to think about Um, fitness has really been a staple in my life. And I feel like for even years, and I've talked about this on the podcast, I've talked about it on my Instagram. Um, but for years leading up to me becoming a trainer, it was always something I was interested in. I was always doing research. I was always, you know, following, you know, the trends as well as like doing digging on my own. Like I would follow like Jeremy, for example, and I would see things he was talking about. And then I would do kind of like my own due diligence and, and like look up, you know, the things he was saying, like I would look up like research behind it. And then I kind of just did that. Like I started just like really getting interested in fitness and how everything worked with nutrition, uh, with training. And I really just like engulfed myself in it almost kind of like unintentionally. And then as I made my transition, it just made it, I almost felt like more prepared when I did dive into it as like a full-time gig, um, because of all that work kind of leading up to it. And then that's, what's kind of helped me propel and be successful in these two years. And just seeing uh, you know, Christina modeling it for me, seeing my sister Megan model it for me. Um, those those guys, both of them have been crucial, you know, components in my success and in my trajectory in general. And really just, you know, I feel like my decisiveness too. I was just I've just been really decisive over these last two years on figuring out, you know, what what serves me, what's good for my business, what's not good for my business, pivoting, adjusting, and just keep pushing forward and just trying to get a little bit better every day. Like that's just something that I've held close to me since the beginning. Like not a day goes by where I just sit on my ass and do nothing. Like, I feel like, you know, a lot of people who would have more time, like, especially early on when I was a trainer or like any other trainers out there, like when you're early on and you don't have a lot of clients, you don't have a lot of work, like you have to really create that momentum and create that process. And so that's what I just committed to. I just committed to getting a little bit better every single day and leaning into my craft and just learning, 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 and learning even more because the more I can learn, the better I can serve those around me. And these two years have just been phenomenal. I just feel so aligned um, with what it is that I'm doing. I know I'm going to be doing this for the long haul, whatever it may look like, whatever, however it's delivered, how, whatever angle I take. I love fitness. Um, even on the days where we work the longest, we can show up like we are today, you know, after like literally 
crazy to just think about sometimes. <laughs> like yeah. like literally working all morning this morning, coming home, eating, going to the coffee shop, doing online, you know, client check-in, so balancing like the in-person load, online load and then coming back home and and delivering this for you guys. Like it fires me up. I'm passionate about it. I love it. I wake up every single day, you know, fired up and excited um to really serve the people that I get to serve and it's just been I mean it's been a, it's been an awesome it's been a blessing and and I just couldn't ask for a better last 2 years, honestly. Ah, oh, anniversary this weekend. We're definitely going to celebrate, so actually we may have to uh can't drink so do yeah. a public <laughs> event and a photo shoot. Um but I've been in the fitness game since 20 well, I've been in my fitness journey for like ever and Zach too. Like he was not his entire life and I started working out in like 6th grade, lifting in high school sports college i switched my major to exercise science from athletic training and then i got my master's in that as well and during that time i competed so honestly i got like serious about my fitness journey like following like quote meal plans from bodybuilding.com and lifting 2013 and ever since you know i haven't stopped but it's definitely looked different every season of life but i started personal training in 2018 I kind of shared what that looked like like leaving our jobs when it was the follow your gut episode mm-hmm. i think um but and how to, we did another episode on how to like leave your full-time job. But anyways, um, it's been since, since 2018 and it's looked different in every season as well. I started coaching on my own. I've gone through different avenues of in-person and online, but once again, the most aligned we've both ever been. And this is what we're truly meant to do online, mixed with a little in-person, a couple of events, podcasts, and then the personal development side of things. This is like what we're truly meant to do. So been in the fitness game for quite a long time. Mine's been yeah, like four Christina or five years. Has. Christina has. She's a beast. Thank you. If you guys saw, I will have to share my story sometime soon. I'm still coaching my first ever client all these years later. And her first program was like an Excel spreadsheet. So like I know a lot of like new trainers, like people who are studying for CPT, listen to this and just like start. Like if you're not embarrassed by your first product, you didn't start soon enough because my first program was like an Excel spreadsheet. It was called Chris K Fitness Coaching and like my first check-in form. You just got to start. Yeah, just start before you're ready. Not before you're certified, but before you're like mentally ready to get yes. out of your comfort zone. Um, but this kind of transitions perfectly. First time this has happened in this episode. They're so back and forth. But biggest lesson this season of life has taught you. Yeah, I think, you know, we've learned so much in this season of life. Like I almost think of, you know, year one as like a big growth process and like really grinding and grinding and grinding just to like get the business started and just to get everything up and running. But year two is when we really kind of took it to another level where we could have either gotten really stagnant and like comfortable and, you know, us having Stacia, our financial coach, and just having each other, we've like really pushed each other to step outside of our comfort zones and just try to achieve more, you know, um, and, and try to just hold ourselves, you know, to, to push, you know, at a high level um, and what, what it is that we're doing. And I think it's been a real season of growth um, but also a season of balance too, because I think both of us were at a certain point in our careers, even though Christina has been doing it longer than me. Um, you know, we both at kind of similar times were at a crossroads where we really were doing the most and, uh, we were doing almost too much and we were almost like working like too much without working like real smart. And I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, as of late, we really started to like figure out strategies and get taught, you know, from business coaches and things like that on how to optimize our processes, how to optimize our systems. Um, so we can focus more on doing the things we love, which is coaching, you know, people and helping people. And, you know, I think it's just been a huge growth period of time, like a a real 
real growth season of life as well as a season of life focused on balance and also, you know, checking in on ourselves, making sure we aren't, you know, just running ourselves into the ground, but we're taking time for our mental health. We're taking time for each other. We're taking time for family. We're taking time for friends, like prioritizing the stuff that really matters because, you know, we can churn and burn and, and go, you know, balls to the wall. But if we can't enjoy any of those things, like then what, what the hell is it all for? Mm-hmm. And so I think we've really been in a, in a uh, season of balance and a season of growth. Yeah, that's exactly my answer is growth and balance. I think this year taught us so much. I feel like we've lived like two years in just like the eight months of 2022. But we definitely, as you can tell from like the recent podcast, we've leaned into a lot of growth and personal development and invested in business coaching. And we've just like really done the work alongside each other. But work-life balance, I feel like was more important to me in this season of life than ever. I think like once we got engaged, it all became a huge perspective of like, what do we want our future to look like? And is what we're doing now sustainable in that future? And we really value family time. We really value like somebody, when we have a family, we don't want to be like those parents that never can show up to things because they're working all the time. And it's really important to just make sure that we prioritize that. And like, I've heard this quote all the time, like you want to work to live, not live to work. And Mm -hmm. I think that even though we're so passionate about what we do, like I was doing my clients a disservice to be burnt out because now that I'm like very aligned and I manage my energy and I have boundaries and I take weekends to like see people and like be a human, my clients get a better version of me and they get a better service because I'm my fullest self. Absolutely. All right. Next question is, this one's a nutrition-based question. So some days my body craves more fats. I'm always within my calorie range, protein range, but sometimes I crave carbs or fats. Will this hinder my progress focusing on healthy fats and whole foods still? So we could obviously like dive into the specifics. And I think this is, this is very much so dependent on an individual basis, but you know, carbs and fats, they are our energy source. And so how we you know, which, which one we decide to use as our energy is kind of up to our discretion, how we, you know, what, what has us feeling the best, what gives us the most optimal energy, what gives us the most optimal digestion. Like those are some things we have to think about when deciding which one we're going to lean more into. Um, and then from like a craving standpoint, you know, you obviously just have to watch like total volume. That's the biggest thing. So like, even if you are craving like a carb or you're craving more fats, just make sure that like it still fits within your caloric range. If you do have goals you're trying to achieve, Um, But don't feel bad if you like, you know, lean into carbs versus fats or fats versus carbs. Know that they are interchangeable. They're both energy sources for you. Yeah. And honestly, like I'll be straight up. I just track calories and protein right now. I make sure that I keep an eye on like, am I getting enough fat? And that's really easy for me to do because my body like craves fat more than carbs. And if you are a woman listening to this based on where you're at in your cycle and I see it, with all my clients, there will be one week per month where my clients will go over their fat intake. And I'm like, Oh, your period's coming or you're on your period because your fat intake determines your hormonal health. And fat is a very satiating macronutrient. But like Zach said, just be mindful of intake because fat has more calories per gram doesn't mean it's bad. Healthy fats are still, you know, what your body needs, but you can get less bang for your buck calorie wise, just because fat has more nine grams nine calories per gram and carbs have four. But there's always one week per month where like I personally crave fat more too. But as long as I'm within my calorie range, my protein range, that's going to determine my progress in my body composition. And then fat and carbs can kind of like fluctuate a little bit based on what you're craving. But if your carbs are like heavily, heavily outweighing your fat, something to be mindful of for women. A lot of times, like if you lose your period or like your hormones are out of whack, it's because your fat intake is too low. So just make sure it's at least minimum, minimum 
25% of your daily total calories between 25 and 30 is pretty optimal. So just be mindful you're not going below that if you're craving carbs. Next, favorite unflavored protein. I can't stomach the flavored protein in smoothies. And Zach's response was, I can't relate because he like loves protein. His vanilla ice cream flavored. Um, But I have vegan protein and like honestly, like the texture is different. Like I have vegan taste buds for sure when it comes to supplements just because it's my only option and I'm used to it after so many years. But for unflavored protein, I use Cost Protein, K-O-S, and they have really good ingredients, very limited, like, amount of artificial sweeteners and gums. They have an unflavored option. I cannot fully recommend it just because I have not tried it. I like to put unflavored collagen in my coffee in the morning, and that has 20 grams of protein, and it is Garden of Life. If you literally search collagen protein on Amazon or collagen peptides, whatever, it is the first option that comes up. Garden of Life, it's unflavored. Just add to your coffee, and with your creamer, you can even taste it. Mm-hmm. And smoothies, too. You can't taste it either. But I love the vanilla cost, so I'm assuming the unflavored would taste just as good. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you ever feel overwhelmed with the amount of time you spend with your significant other after living and working with them, et cetera? Tips on navigating that. Yeah, I mean, I think we both separate at given times of the day. Like I go to the gym in the morning and I have my in-person clients and Christina's pretty much at the house all day. And then I come back mid-afternoon between like 12 and 1, 12 and 2. And then that's kind of when we are back together. So we do get some space from one another and um, we'll take time every now and then, you know, to separate. We're not like attached at the hip, obviously. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think we manage it well. I think we really understand what each other's needs are when one person is, you know, not having a good day, when someone's having a good or a bad day or when someone's having a good day. And we, we know how to like regulate that with each other. So we're just very intuitive with one another and just how you how we are in general and so i think that helps yeah we definitely don't get like overwhelmed or like sick of each other and i think that space apart of like working from home and working at the gym definitely helps because then we do like we'll go to the coffee shop and we'll be doing voice memos next to each other so like our work makes sense to be a little separate for a little bit of the day but like doing the podcast together like that's the only time we like work together like on the same exact project like we have different one-on-one coaching businesses but the podcast is more fun to do together so we don't get overwhelmed like just doing this like it's literally 6 15 like it's dinner time on a tuesday and we're doing a podcast like it's fun it's like quality time and I always get like, it feels like we're on a date. We're like sitting across the desk from each other (laughs) talking, but that doesn't get overwhelming at all. But I definitely will say like there's certain days where we can get like overstimulated when we're like on all the time. And sometimes like if you're an introverted extrovert, I feel like I'm leaning more towards that as I get older. But like if we're on all the time talking all day long, we just need to like decompress and we're very in tune, like you said. So Mm -hmm. I would just get into with your partner and just be vocal like hey I need a minute I gotta shower I gotta do some self-care I like will go to a nail appointment or like go hang out with my friend or like I go home and see my family once in a while so we'll have that time apart but like honestly we like love spending time together so it doesn't ever get overwhelming yeah (laughs) so okay we have a couple more um if you still get your workout in for the day does it make up for not hitting 10k steps I'm stuck in an office job for 10 plus hours a day so no I mean it just depends it doesn't make up for it it's still activity just different Right. It's just different activity. And that's where I would highly encourage you guys to evaluate, like, don't rely only on your workout. Like if you think about it, um, like for example, we threw out the terms, like our strength training days and our hypertrophy days, like those days are dedicated to those specific stimulus. So is the total calorie burn from that workout going to be super significant? Um, you know, it depends, but it is a small fraction of your whole entire activity for the day of your whole 24 hours. 
And so that's where you guys have to be honest with yourself about your, you know, activity outside of your training where it, it would probably be, you know, at a disservice. It's, it's better than nothing, but it's going to put you at a disservice if, you know, you're just doing like a one hour or like 45 minute training session and then like sitting down the rest of the day. You want to get on your feet. You want to go on more walks. Really try to get that 10,000 steps. It's just such low hanging fruit. Like it's so easy. Um, we just have to like get ourselves up and get ourselves moving and it can be done. Yeah. And it's not easy if someone like is 10 hours a day at a desk but you can make it work with your lifestyle and we learned about this in school we literally it's like coined this term like active couch potato if you work out for one hour a day and sit all day it's the same as someone like being sedentary because you're not getting like that total daily energy expenditure or like neat which is your non-exercise activity thermogenesis um basically meaning like your maintenance calories like the calories you're burning per day are higher if you hit your step goal and your workout all of my clients have a step goal and workout and you want to hit your step goal like six out of seven days is what I have my clients aim for. And then we hit ours daily just like naturally. We have like two huskies, so we have to go on quite a few walks. But I know it's hard if you do work an office job. Like, to yeah, be I didn't straight, mean that to sound like it was easy. No, it definitely is not but easy. It's an easy habit to check off, basically. But it's definitely an easier method of getting that extra activity in on top of like going and doing like extra cardio, for example. For sure. And I was just going to say, like, to be straight up, like, I work an office job. (laughs) I sit at my desk all day long, but I still hit like, I'll hit like 15,000 steps like in the summer months just because I make it a priority to go on a walk before work. And even if you don't have a dog, like getting outside and like getting sunlight on your face and going on a walk like does a lot for your energy and your circadian rhythm. So I just go on like a 10 minute walk with the boys like before I go to the gym. I go to the gym. I cool down on the treadmill and like catch up on work. So if you're someone who works from home and you have emails, you can get to on your phone. I have a lot of clients who will do that and they'll just like start work, get on treadmill and then go get ready for work, sit down, go on a lunch break because you need a reset during the day to just like decompress, go walk outside, get some sunlight. Once again, does a lot for your mental health. And then after work, we go on a walk with the dog. So we go on four walks a day, morning, lunch, after work. It helps me decompress and like turn off work and then before bed, which helps with digestion. But if you're somebody who, like, that's not possible, I totally get it. If you, like, have meetings and you can't step away, a lot of my clients, and I'm going to do this too in the winter months because I feel so good when I'm getting steps in. Like, I it hurts my back. It hurts, like, I just don't feel energetic when I'm sitting all day. You can get, like, an under-the-desk walking pad. So if you have, like, a standing desk, we can have, like, ours right now is, like, down low, like, where we're sitting. But you can stand it up and get, like, a walking pad. There's very cheap ones on Amazon. You can just slide it under, like, a desk or like into a closet when you're not using it but you can just walk it's very popular on tiktok right now too but you can just walk as you're doing like mindless work but if you're like at an office you really need to prioritize before work after work and also like taking the stairs warming up and cooling down on the treadmill like you can definitely hit your step goal on top of workouts and on top of work it's just like a matter of prioritizing it mm-hmm. all right a couple more what's your favorite healthy meal you consistently make yeah so i would say any variation, you know, especially for dinner where we use like shrimp or we use salmon, like these are so easy to make and they taste so good. Like we love them and they carry a very low caloric value for the amount of quantity of food you're getting. So it's a high volume food, um, which is great. And so we love utilizing different variations of that where we add, you know, a type of quinoa or carbohydrate base to that and then some other micronutrients with like vegetables. I mean, that that dinner is like delicious. It literally tastes like a Chipotle bowl, but honestly, even better, especially the way we saute the shrimp sometimes or, you know, we'll bake the salmon, whatever it may be like that is a staple by far. And then the way we've been doing um, the slow cooked chicken breast, like, for example, like I'm not a fan of just cooking up a chicken breast and like 
cutting it with a knife and fork and eating it. Like I hate that, to be quite honest. Like it's not good. And like 90% of people think that's what healthy means. No, no, no. Like make it make it easier on yourself. Make it taste good. Too. Make it taste good to you. And so, you know, something we've been doing recently is doing the slow cooked chicken. And I mean, it literally just pulls apart kind of like shredded chicken and we make like buffalo chicken wraps with it you know we'll heat up the tortillas on the stovetop and you know those are phenomenal and then we like to use oats um you know we do protein oats great source of carbohydrates fats and protein really getting the trifecta there um especially if you add that almond butter with the oats and the protein powder love that i would say like those are my like staple meals right now like i those are the three go-tos. And then I obviously have my, you know, we're getting those micronutrients, those fruits and vegetables. Is Honestly, all of our snacks are fruits. Um, that's all we keep in the house. So like whenever we're snacking, we're just eating fruit. Um, and like then rice we, cakes and nuts. Or rice cakes and like some healthy fats with the nuts, the almonds. And so, yeah, we really like to focus on on those meals. And then I do my athletic greens on top of that to get more of my micronutrients and more servings of fruits and vegetables on top of like the micronutrients we're getting from the vegetables in our dinner or the fruits for snacks honestly rude because you took all my meals and i have nothing to add <laughs> but i'm going to explain like how we make them because i know a lot of people are like i can't make salmon taste good i can't make chicken taste good so we eat the exact same meals and we like i kind of like make a joke sometimes like his and hers because mine are significantly smaller so like if your significant others on their health and fitness journey eat the same thing make it taste good have your go-to meals just eat different portions so for my oats in the morning We'll do vegan oats. Our recipe is kind of different, just like in quantities and also like the sources of protein we use. And then I add almond butter, sometimes chia seeds, and then raspberries or blueberries. And then for snacks, Nash bars, like certain protein bars, fruits, nuts, lunch, the exact same thing. I like the siete wraps and how I make the chicken is I'll put it in the crock pot for three and a half hours on high. We use chicken with rib meat, so it's a little bit fattier and makes it like more flavorful, tender. Yeah. And then I'll put um, Tony seasoning on it and just put it in there. The fat on it will like make it like more moist so it like won't burn or anything. Then you keep it in there for three and a half hours, shred it with two forks, sprinkle a little more Tony's, and then we put the barbecue sauce on it as we make our food. And it's a super quick meal when you have that bulk protein already done. And then I'll use the tortillas. We'll heat it up. We'll put on some greens. You can put vegetables on the tortilla and then the chicken with buffalo sauce. And then for dinner, we'll do like right after this, we're going to peel some shrimp. Zach's going to saute it on the stovetop. We use cilantro, quinoa, and brown rice from Seeds of Change. That's a minute and 30 seconds in the microwave. So while he's cooking the shrimp, I'll pop it in the microwave, and then we'll cut, like, vegetables up. Like, right now we're doing tomatoes and just, like, greens. Making a chipotle bowl with siete taco sauce, and it is unbelievable fire and we look forward to it every night and i think it's really important too if you have a significant other or you're like dating someone you're engaged whatever that may be or you even have a roommate like just cooking dinner together like we always cook dinner together if like i have like call zach will cook you know for both of us but like doing it together is really fun and creating those go-to meals together is just it's awesome yeah okay two more questions yes i feel like so, you said that like Three times. Just a few more. This one's actually two. Um, do you count calories year round? Do you think counting calories can be a slippery slope? Yeah, I mean, if you let it, I mean, if you let it, like, that's the biggest thing is like, if you let it become a slippery slope, and you get so obsessed with it, that it's like, you know, bringing down your quality of life, then that's a time to, you know, reevaluate it, we kind of ebb and flow with it, depending on our goals. Obviously, when we are in a calorie deficit, we try to be really on target. And then, you know, when we are in more of those maintenance phases, we're a little bit looser. We've also been tracking for years and years. And so we're a little bit more intuitive than most. That said, very easy to slip off the deep end when you are being intuitive. That's why I'm just a big fan of just, you just want to know, like just track so you know. And so, yeah, we, we don't do it year round, 
this phase of life we're in right now, we're tracking pretty heavily. I personally like don't, it doesn't stress me out. Like it's become such a habit of mine because I've been literally doing it for so long that I, I don't even think twice. Like I just plug the stuff in. Even if I like repeat meals, I literally just plug it copy in. And paste it. Yeah. Cause I can copy and paste it. And I just like to know where I'm at. Like it's, it's kind of like my financials. Like I always kind of want to know where I'm at. And so it really doesn't stress me out. So I, I would say like majority of the time I am tracking. Yeah. And I track probably like 80% of the year, just like with anything like 80, 20, got to have a little balance. So what I'll do is like when we're on vacation, like now we have such an intuitive mindset about it. Like we know, like if we fast a little in the morning on vacation, we have a high protein breakfast. We look up the menu beforehand. We split something like we can still maintain on vacation, but we will like on holidays and like weekend trips, not track, or we'll just do calories only. And you can do different methods like calories and protein or calories only. But in a maintenance phase, like when I reverse diet here soon in September, October, and then through the holidays, if I have like one day where I don't track on the weekend, like if I'm in a maintenance phase, like I'll be okay if I track six days of the week. But sometimes it's nice to have just a little reset. And some of my clients too will just kind of get burnt out from tracking. So I think it's important to have that self-awareness and know yourself. If you have an obsessive personality and like a negative relationship with food and tracking, sometimes tracking improves your relationship with food because then you understand portion sizes and you know how to properly feel your body. And it's like doing the homework in order to intuitively eat. Um, but obviously listening to your hunger cues is important. But regardless, just be like open with yourself or if you have a coach, like if my clients are like, hey, I'm really burnt out from tracking macros. I'm like, let's do calories and protein for a week. Get back at it. Or if they're at calories and protein, I'm like, let's do calories only. If it's their birthday, I'm like, have an untracked meal. So there's different methods you can utilize so you don't get burnt out from it. If you do feel like it's a slippery slope, think about why that's the case. Like why you have a negative experience with tracking or what that looks like if you're obsessive. But we use success ranges with our clients. We're not obsessive about it. And it helps us to maintain it on a consistent basis. Like if you can't sustain it, maybe look into those other methods I talked about, but we do count calories pretty much year round. Last question of the day, and then we're going to let you guys go. But have you and Chris ever considered opening a gym or studio? So I actually, and I I think it's appropriate to talk about this, but I, I actually, for a stint of time was, I was planning out to open a gym with a business partner and we were kind of going through that whole entire process. We actually even had like investors lined up and everything. Um, and we were really, really close to be quite honest. It was at like a very, uh, close breaking point where we were about to, you know, literally put pen to paper and make the deal happen. You know, we were, we were doing a lot of logistical planning. We had a business plan. We had, I mean, we literally had everything going into uh, the gym and around that same time, it was actually around the time that Christina and I got engaged and kind of like she talked about earlier um, on that other topic we were talking about where we just really kind of decided like what, what was important to us, like what, what long-term um, was important to us. And we knew that, you know, freedom and, you know, having freedom to, to travel, having freedom to see family, having freedom to um, kind of run our business, how we want to run it and not let our business run us. And I got to a point where, you know, I was feeling like pretty, pretty much that like if I were to open a gym, it was going to run me and I was going to be kind of like a, I was going to be owned by the gym. Like I was going to have to be there seven days a week, you know, from sunup to sundown, wouldn't be able to really do a whole lot outside of that because it takes a whole lot of effort. And like, if you are really, really committed and that is like your passion, then by all means, like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like you can do that if, if that's what you enjoy. Um, but I was reaching that point where, you know, I just was feeling like I would be sacrificing my freedom if I did that. And ironically around the same time, uh, you know, Christina was showing me a lot of her processes with the online training and the online coaching. And I actually started to implement that as of recently. 
which, you know, over the last couple of months, you guys have seen me talking about the everyday athlete and my whole online brand. And, you know, through Christina's teaching through business coaches, we've really figured out, you know, a very successful process with the online coaching. And while I don't think I'll ever truly 100% give up the in-person training, um, I do love the online coaching. And, you know, a lot of people kind of steer away from it sometimes, like, because they think, you know, they're only going to get the results they're looking for. They're only going to get success with the hands-on approach. But to be quite honest, kind of like what I was alluding to is through these business coaches, through learning these processes over these years, Christina learning things over the years and picking up on things, throwing things out. We've really come to realize how effective the online coaching really is. And it, the argument can really be made with the processes that we use it can be even more effective than even the in-person training, to be quite honest. And so we really started to see some value in that. And then on top of that, it gives us the freedom and the autonomy to be a little bit more mobile um, and move around a little bit more. And so that's when I really started to shift focus and see way more value in being online versus being in a brick and mortar gym. And that's just kind of where I've kind of taken the direction of my business, the direction I've taken with my brand. Um, I really do want to lean into the online coaching. I love our process. I love our systems. Um, I, I'm finding like all these, I was just telling Christina as we left the coffee shop just this evening, how successful all my clients are in my online program and just how they're all crushing it. And it's just so cool. And, you know, without those processes and without doing it the way we're doing it. Yeah. I do think that the online approach would be suboptimal, but with the way we approach things and the way we handle it, we make it very much so like an in-person all-encompassing experience you're getting more workouts you're getting more training you're getting a much more hands-on approach and all in all i love it um i'm really glad i made that decision i know it's the right decision for me and so honestly i don't i really don't think we will i mean i'll never say never you know things could happen um it could happen potentially down the line but you know i really like with what, what we're doing with online coaching yeah, same. I've been in positions like back in the beginning of my fitness career where I was in a similar situation of like people wanting to open like training studio and I was very involved in that. But just like Zach said, like having the freedom to be able to like live life on our own terms and like have a house in Scottsdale and not have to like have someone cover, you know, a shift or anything like that or like take care of business while we're gone. I think that that freedom is something we really do value and we obviously do value like that in-person connection. So what we do is like we're general con like independent contractors for certain gyms and we just pay a rent there's like no not a lot of overhead which is really nice and we can like lean into like what we love which is like the online space but we do value that in-person connection which is why we still do in-person training and why i went back to it too after being online for so long just like having that in-person feel is just super important like where humans are supposed to connect with people and like being working from home all year i'm like i'm getting weird like i don't even know how to interact with people <laughs> in person so it's really helpful to have that fine balance but doing it in in a strategic way. I always tell people we try to make online as in person as it can get and you honestly get more support and value cuz like if you're one hour with a person in training, what about the other 23 hours when you have a mindset block, you have um cravings with nutrition, like having that online feel is really important. That's why we do like to do in person events like Zach has lift events with former athletes on a monthly basis with Roy and I like to do the Fabletics events so all my clients in Columbus can even if they're not in Columbus, can come down and meet in person. So it's important for us to have like those events and we'll continue to do that. Yeah, we'll always do something in person, like mm -hmm. to some capacity or some degree. Like that's something that we both still value very much, even with our online coaching. Mm -hmm. um, and I do foresee us continuing that regardless, whatever the capacity looks like. Yeah, just not in our own space. We'll like be strategic about it in someone else's gym, but make it make sense for us too. So it's really all we got for you guys. We hope you enjoyed today's q and I know it was a lot of 
back and forth, nutrition, fitness, you know, lifestyle, personal. But if you're still listening to this, you're a real one. And we will have our applications below. We talked a lot about coaching today. And, you know, this is a free podcast, so we'll always put our applications in the show notes. Just so if anyone listening is, like, vibing well with us and, you know, you want to invest in coaching, former athletes, head right to Zach, all my ladies, you know, you can hit my application. Um, and we'll have that in the show notes as well as our Nash partner offer with the code for your first time offer. And we hope you guys have an awesome week. I know it's a later podcast, but we hope you guys have a beautiful week and we'll see you next week. Peace out, guys.